All right, before we get started, I got three things to make your life more awesome. So number one, go to my PC. Okay, so nothing worse than having your files spread out everywhere. You know what I mean? Something's on your laptop, iPad, on your phone, who knows what. Keep them all in one place with GoToMeeting by Citrix Online. Super easy. You can just download an app for your iPhone and iPad as well. You can use it from there. Try it. Go to my PC today, special 45-day free trial just for Rise Nation. Visit gotomypc.com, click the Try It Free button, and enter the promo code RISE. So go to mypc.com, Try It Free button, promo code RISE. Boom. And create awesome interviews. Oh, my friends, here it is. Going live to the public. March 19th, you can learn all the secrets of doing online interviews. Everything. Everything that I possibly know from building an audience from 0 to 100,000 and 100,000 to 250,000 in just a few years. Uh, you're going to learn exactly how to land A-list guests without any experience any credibility, all that kind of stuff. We're going to teach you exactly how to go about landing guests, talking about marketing and promoting, building that audience. We're talking about monetize. Oh, there's just so much more. The technology step-by-step, -step, special deals, all kinds of stuff. Createawesomeinterviews.com for more information, and you can get the 11 benefits of doing online interviews, a special presentation for you. All you got to do is enter an email at createawesomeinterviews.com. You know, I always have to look out for software like GoToMyPC that makes things easy. And if you want to do a membership site, you know, you want to create something where you're getting recurring revenue and creating something really cool in the back end and you want an easy way to manage it, you don't want to go figure it out, I would highly recommend Wishlist members. Stu McLaren, the founder of Wishlist, has been on the rise to the top before telling his story and some tips on really doing an effective membership site. But you got to get Wishlist member. It's a very, very easy piece of software to do. So to check it out, go to therisetotop.com slash wishlist, therisetotop.com slash wishlist. And now here's today's episode. And welcome everyone to the Rise to the Top. I'm David Seitman Garland, and I've got a great case study for you today. Elliot Hulse is in the house. Now, you know, some of the big feedback that I hear from you guys and things that I know that you really enjoy is case studies of people that have taken a passion, a topic, you know, something that they're super interested in and turned it into an amazing brand, especially online. Because that's, you know, I mean, come on, that's what it's all about, right? I mean, taking something that you love, teaching others, you know, creating an awesome business and lifestyle for yourself. And so another case study today, Elliot Hulse, who's done this in the strength building world. So, you know, it's in the fitness, it's even a sub niche of fitness, it's strength building. And so in today's in conversation with Elliot, we talk about how he got started, how he got started online, some of the mistakes he made, um, you know, the ways that he monetized. We talk about some of the challenges that he faces, you know, negative comments and, and things like that that occasionally rear their ugly head and a lot more. So I think you're going to get some ideas, some inspiration, and so much more. Here he is. Without further ado, Elliot Hulse on the Rise to the Top. Enjoy. All right. So join today. He's a handsome gentleman acro across the screen from me. Elliot Hulse joining me on the Rise to the Top. Welcome, man. Great to have you. Great to be here. And by the way, I was trying to mess with my hair this morning, which I cannot get going. I'm like a fidgeting little person. I wish I had like no hair like you got going on. You got the cool look, you know? Yeah, I have no patience for hair. It's ridiculous. <laughs> You're smart. So, all right, for people that are just introing you, before we go way back into the story, and that's really what we're going to do today, maybe give us a snapshot of kind of who you are and what you do, and give us a little bit about uh, just kind of who is Elliot Hulse. 
All right, well, uh, I often go as far back as when I was four years old, so I'll do that really quickly. Uh, I grew up in Long Island, and my uncle came to live with my parents. He was a bachelor at the time, must have been about like 23 years old, but he was a badass. He was, uh, <laughs> he was black belt in kung fu, he did gymnastics, he ran uh, marathons, and he was a bodybuilder. I mean, like all-around sick athlete. I was about four years old. And he came to live with us, and he would go down in the basement and chop bricks and walk on his hand and do backflips and stuff like that. So uh, it had a huge impact on me as a kid. And uh, he showed me and taught me how to do a lot of those things when I was a kid. And I, I fell in love with fitness at that point. I didn't know what it was, but I just knew I liked to do things with my body. Uh, and he taught me how. So that sort of moved me towards athletics. I got a football sure, sure. scholarship. He taught me how to train with a barbell. After college, I start, or during college, I started training my, training my teammates with barbells in my parents' basement, just like my uncle did with me. I turned that into a profession, and I do that today, and I also share my ideas about strength and fitness online. All right, very cool. I, li I like that. That was a very good Cliff's Notes version here. So let's go back to sort of that uh, college moment, if you're And where did you go to school? I went to St. John's University okay. in Queens. Yep. So you, went, you go to St. John's University. All right. At that point, were you thinking, you know, you're playing football, doing this stuff. Were you thinking career, becoming your own boss, entrepreneurship, any of that stuff at that point? Or was it just like, let's hit some people and get going? Like, was there something in your mind that was thinking, okay, I want to create a business a a around the thing that I love? Or was that not quite there yet? Oh, I absolutely knew that. Uh, I so this was a game plan. Okay. <laughs> it's in my nature. I, I hate, uh, I've got authority issues. Like, I can't have a boss. Had a hard time with my parents because I don't like anybody telling me what to do. So very libertarian in my ideas and behaviors. So I just uh, I always knew that I would never stand for someone telling me how to do my job, how to live my life, or how much money I should make. And I was going to do it on my own. Introduced to the idea of entrepreneurship from my uncle because he kind of was the same way, and decided that uh, you know I'm going to make a living, a career out of teaching people how to get stronger. Mm -hmm. He did that. He's a personal trainer, and I saw him doing it as a kid and making money, and but also being able to make his own schedule and do whatever he wants. So I decided that that's what I was going to do. All right, very cool. So all right, so you graduate. You graduate college. Um, when when did you graduate? Two thousand and one. Okay, so two thousand and one. You graduate college. What was the what were the first things that you did at that point? Um, you know, before we start building the online brand, because my guess is. In 2001, you weren't quite building the online brand. I could be wrong. Uh, yeah, but, but yeah, right, exactly. So there was no option at that point. But what what did you start doing? Like, what was the, what were the first things that you're doing? You mentioned you started training friends in college. Then then what did you do after you graduated? Well, I did what everybody else thought, what everybody else would do that wanted to build a career in a particular niche, which was to go to graduate school, get more education, right? So um, I already was a strength coach um, in my actions because, like I said, I, I tra started training my friends in my basement when I was in high school. Sure. And throughout college, I was training myself and training them. So I was already doing what I wanted to do for a living. But I assumed that I had to go and get more education, um, especially the traditional route. So I went to graduate school, quickly became disillusioned with the entire thing, realized how much of a hoax college is. I just I immediately realized that this, this doesn't make any sense. I'm paying you guys a whole lot of money so that I can go and do internships for free when I can go and do those internships on my own and continue to make money doing what I'm doing. So the whole college thing just fell apart for me. Um, 
And I just, I, I went to work. I started training uh, in commercial gyms. I started training, just personal training, anyone who would wanted to get fit. Now, was there a shift at some point? So you're doing this, and I, and I, I get it. You, you're, you're training people. And, and one of the problems I see uh, are, are often with not just train, not just in fitness industry, but other industries as well, is that that's where a lot of people, that's what they do, and that's what they do forever. You know what I mean? They do the training, yeah. they do one-on-one, and, and you know, they're either working for a gym or doing something like that, but they have this unique maybe expertise or something like that, but they're not quite sure how to kind of package it and get it out to the world and do other things besides the one-on-one. At what point did you start, so you're working at the gym and do, doing things like that and, and training people, did you start thinking of sort of maybe, I don't even want to call it online brand building, but getting your name more out there and leveraging it into different types of businesses and, and also you know, kind of bringing this online presence. When did that come about and what was sort of the aha moment there? Was there a moment where you're like, you know what, I, I just don't want to train people one-on-one forever. I want to do some other things as well. Well, being really um, impulsive, I, I tend to act and then think. And it's gotten me into a shitload of trouble, especially as a kid. You know, it's like, Elliot, why don't you think before you act? My, my dad would always say that. All the teachers would say that. And it's like, and to this day, uh, I've seen where it's hurt me, but it has also been my saving grace in, in many ways. So uh, I started working at a, at a fitness gym. And I think most people who have a nine to five, who have a, a real job, typically uh, create a plan to, <laughs> to get out of it and start their own business. Right. Well, I, I, you know, I was working. I was, I was doing really well. I became real arrogant. My head grew, grew because I realized I'm like, I'm the best trainer here. I'm making the most money. So why don't I quit this shit and start my own business? Right. It was like in a matter of days, I was just like working here. Now I'm not. And um, I had a family at the time too. I, I was recently married and I had, a, I had a daughter and we just bought a house. So it was like, Elliot, are you out of your freaking mind? You don't just quit a job in order to start your own thing. You have no clue what to do. I had no clients, nothing. I just figured like I can make this happen. It was tough, but one of the very first things that I recognized was that if anyone's going to look for something or some service, they're going to go to Google. Mm-hmm. So I figured, look, the, because when you work at a, at a fitness gym, they give you prospects. And I was really good at converting prospects. Mm-hmm. They come in, I talk to them, and I turn them into clients. I make money. When you were, you were out on your own, it was like, well, no one's feeding your prospects, buddy. You got to learn how to advertise. I didn't have any money for advertising. I didn't have any money for marketing. I didn't even have money to put food on the table, pay my mortgage, or do anything. So I was like, what's a free way that I can get in front of a lot of people as quickly as I can? Um, and it was through the internet. So I, I figured out. I think it was called like Network Solutions or something. There was like a website where you can build your own website. I figured out how to build my own website using this really template service. Sure. And got it to rank very quickly because back then, and it wasn't even that long ago, five years ago, I mean, there was no, there, really then there was no competition locally for most services. Mm-hmm. So it's, in a matter of days, <laughs> I was the first one for personal trainer St. Petersburg. And, um, and, I, because I studied marketing to some degree while I was reading in my panic mode because I needed money, I realized that you had to gather captures, capture leads and, and so on and so forth. So I quickly built my business after hitting rock, rock bottom using the internet. In uh, that same way, I realized that I started to see because I learned how to do that by studying internet marketing per se, but then I realized all these guys are making more money selling their ideas and selling their services. So I, I put two and two together and realized, okay, 
if I can sell my services, I could probably sell my ideas to way more people and have a, a just better leveraged business. Sure, that makes sense. Now we're going to dive into a few things here. And by the way, I love that point. I want to recap that for people that take away that, you know, a lot of people that, that listen and watch, they have their own business. A lot of people, you know, and then there's also people that are like wanting to make that leap. And I, we just discussed this actually like a week ago or so on the website about there's no perfect time to start a business ever. <laughs> I don't care what it is. You're too young. You're too old. You have too much money. You have too little money. You've got a kid. You've got no kids. Whatever it is, there's never a perfect time. It's just, it's just that, you know what I mean? It's just one of those things. So you made a great point, though, about learning, you know, that essentially you can train people. So, so that kind of model of, you know, doing that and then also sharing ideas and getting paid for that. What, what did you mean by sort of ideas and, and, and getting paid for that as well? Well, I'm an idea guy. I fall in love with ideas. I like playing with ideas. I think like how an artist takes paint and builds murals. I take ideas and put them together and, and, and just create new ways of thinking. And this is just like, it's like my playground. Ideas are my, are my toys. And I, I did that, I do that with several different things, but fitness is one of them that I played with a lot of ideas. I'm always putting myself in front of a lot of new ideas. So I have a lot to talk about. And in that regard, I started packaging those ideas via eBooks mm. and selling them. So I, I saw, and to this day, and it's taken me, a, I've had a lot of dissonance, you know, trying to grasp who I am. And I think we all do that. Oh, you know? I, daily, my friend, daily. Yes. Crazy. So what we typically do is we see a model of what we think we should be. And then there's like that resistance against who we actually are. Mm -hmm. So in, in, I wanted to be an internet marketer. I wanted to sell eBooks and I tried that. I did the whole, uh, you know, gimmicky thing where you got to write long sales copy. Right. And Yellow highlighter and hypey type thing. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and I realized after doing that and gaining some success that my heart really is in the ideas. And, uh, and that's why I say I sell my ideas instead of selling products. Mm -hmm. It's just terminology. So, so no, no, I get it. So, so explain that because I think a lot of people are in that boat, right? Like there's people that, you know, a lot of people that watch or listen to, to Rise here, they're expert. I, I don't like using that word, but they're, they're experts, and I'm putting that in quotes, in something. You know, it might be that they're dating. It might be, you know, it might be fitness. It might be a lot, a lot of different things, and they're always looking to, you know, build that brand, monetize, but also not feel like <laughs> – like they just had sex with someone. And what I mean by that is, is that it, it's got to feel right how you make money and how, how, how you go about it. So when you said, okay, eBooks, eh, I'm not loving it. Was it that you weren't loving how you package it or how you marketed it? Or were you, what, was, what was the issue? And then what, what specifically did you move to from then that was successful for you? Well, l let me give a caveat prior to, to going in this direction. Do you read um, Early to Rise? You know, I, I, it's, it's really funny that you mentioned that. I just found out about Early to Rise because I was at Underground Online Seminar yeah. last week, and Early to Rise dude was there with his 140 rules that he had. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, he, and he gave a great – actually, it was a great presentation. Uh, so now I know about Early to Rise, yes. Well, this morning uh, he put up a, a really good article about how uh, earning a living with your passion by doing a business in your passion doesn't work. And, um, oh, I'm going to have to comment on that, my friend. I'm moving in. All right, go ahead. It's a great article, and his point was, and, and it obviously was an inflammatory statement, um, but the point was that you've got to first learn how to make money. 
It's like if you don't, if you have a passion, that's great. It, it may be a hobby, maybe something that you love. But if you don't have the foundation, if you don't know how to build a list, you don't know how to attract an audience, you don't know how to convert, you don't, if you don't know how to do certain things to actually make money, then it's just going to remain a passion. It'll never really be a business. So I, I have to be grateful for all the time spent learning how to write copy and mm -hmm. do conversions and manipulate people with ideas, uh, things of that marketing which is cool and, and having that foundation is essential. You've got to know certain basics. And so I'm happy for that. Where I am now is that I, I feel more like an artist than a marketer. And I think it was the, the, the time spent as a marketer really delving into the, the idea of, of making money with my ideas that I built a foundation. I, I've also built a great following. I've got lots of people who enjoy the things I talk about, who enjoy my videos, who are here now. And now that I've got like what Dan Kennedy calls a tribe, I feel like more free to move. And plus, I'm making money before I wasn't making any money. So it's right. all about how can I that helps. That money? helps. <laughs> uh, now that I've got a tribe, I can back off a little bit and then just be a little bit more true to my message and, and serving my audience in a way that's just a, a bit more authentic. No, it, ma it makes a lot of sense. But I, I yeah, I, I mean, people, I, I think it's important, obviously, to learn marketing skills and uh, internet marketing skills and being able to learn how to package stuff and put it together and things like that. What, were there people that, that were a big influence specifically for you that, you that you really learned a lot from? You know, I think like with everything else, any area of expertise that you go into, there are, it's, the marketplace is flooded. Mm -hmm. And with studying marketing, it's the same exact thing, especially internet marketing. So I've studied and, and, and meddled with so many different people and their ideas, and every single one of them points back to Dan Kennedy. Mm, so it's like he's actually the horse's mouth in my mind. He's the horse's mouth when it comes to marketing in every regard. So he's had the biggest influence, um, and I, I often like reading um, – Seth Godin stuff. Seth oh, Godin. Mr. Godin. Mr. Godin, yes. Former guest of the show twice. Yes. I got to check that out. I'm going yep. through the archives. Yeah, I love that guy. He's great. So those are the two guys that I think have had the greatest impact on, on the way I share my ideas and, and use marketing. Uh, very cool. Okay, so now I got to ask about this because if I go to a couple of your websites, we got one that's uh, hullstrength.com and you got another one here that's uh, – what, where's the one that has the, uh, the camp on it? Is it strengthcamp.com, yeah. right? So if I go there, you know, a lot of people, it, it, this would be a safe thing to say. But, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure this is correct. Fitness is a crowded space. Yeah. Fitness is a crowded space. So I'm curious for you, being, being someone that obviously has the skill set, right? We, we're not doubting that, and you've had success in it. Is there anything that you've done either consciously or subconsciously that has made you stick out from the pack of people in fitness? Maybe it's, you know, focusing on a certain area or focusing on something. What made you stick out from such a crowded industry? Well, it's, it's going to sound cliche, but then I'm going to go back and I'm going to mess with it a little bit for you. But being yourself is really the, is the only way to do it. I mean, the reason why we become entrepreneurs, especially internet entrepreneurs, as weird as we are, is because we want to be free from the bounds of anyone and anything. Mm -hmm. There's a certain amount of freedom that we're looking for. And the, the, the most insidious form of slavery is conformity. 
I mean, there's, there's nothing more gripping than trying your best. And, it, and it's so psychological when we do it to ourselves to try to be like everyone else. Mm -hmm. So you see everyone in a space doing something, all the gurus in a space are doing something or saying something and everyone should do it. So just like any religious follower, you just gotta get in line and you, you do what everyone says. Um, that has always made, irritated me. So just my, my general nature is to basically say fuck you and I'm gonna do it my way. And, uh, <laughs> and that's basically the approach I took. Now, it's been very difficult. There, I, I bump up against a lot of resistance, mm -hmm. and a lot of it is cognitive dissonance. It's, it's my own battles, and I think all artists, and I keep using that term because I think in many ways, entrepreneurs, we are artists. Um, all artists deal with this bumping up against resistance internally, but also in the marketplace. I'll put stuff out. In fact, yesterday was kind of a little bit of a depressing day uh, because I still challenge with when I put things out that are, uh, that are outside of the box, sometimes I get beat up. What's, that, what's an example? Uh, well, uh, just yesterday I did a YouTube series and I actually removed it because I, I'll tell you why in a moment. I actually decided to separate what I'm doing in, in two different markets. But um, it was about sex energy. So basically the, I, I do a Q&A on YouTube. So someone asked me, Elliot, how does having sex affect training? And I decided to break it down into a series where I started at like the most minute expression of duality and the power in duality. I mean, there's a lot of physics and, and, and spiritual stuff in there. And it was just completely like out in left field from, for what most people would consider a fitness answer. And um, obviously YouTube is like a bunch of 17 year olds, but they beat the crap out of me, called me names, all types of stuff. And I think most people don't have the courage to do that. An artist like Seth Godin talks about this all the time. And I'm going to use a, one of my own, uh, ways to describe this, but it's like we all have our own shit and we all have our, our own, each one of our piles of shit smells only like everything that we put in our mouths. So no two piles of shit are the same, but everyone's embarrassed of theirs. And I, I, think, there's, I think there's a lot of power in putting your shit out there for people who, and, and I'm being real crude here, but there's some people who are going to be attracted to the smell of your shit and some people that are repulsed by it. And you just put it out there because there are those that like whatever combination of things you ingested, digested, assimilated, and then created, because I, I think of all art as your shit. Right. It's like, it's, a, it's, an, it's really a manifestation of everything that you've taken in. You know, you see things, you hear things, you experience things, and then you bring forth in the same way that you eat. So uh, I'm starting to rant here. I don't no, know. no, I, I, no, but I'm, I'm saying what, we're, we're talking about that the idea essentially of being true to yourself, putting yeah. stuff out there, even, you know, and especially in a public forum like YouTube or on the Internet in general, you're going to get you're going to get some delicious glasses of haterade coming at you. Right. Yeah. And you have an option. Right. You have an option to either you can engage with those people and like get into a, a shit war. You can change who you are. To something that you're not so that they, they kind of go away mm -hmm. um, or you can stick with it and just kind of say listen some people are gonna like this some people aren't this is me right I think that yes absolutely you have to do it you have to endure we it, it's our not only our right as human beings to express ourselves but it's our responsibility because when you are when you show that you're free enough to express yourself, regardless of how strange it may seem to other people, you give others freedom to do the same thing. You basically acknowledge who they are through acknowledging who you are. 
Now, the foundation of all that, which is, I think, where most people get caught up, is not knowing who they are. And, uh, and as a kid, and, you know, we don't have to go into this story, but I, I struggled a lot with who I am and, uh, and spent a lot of time studying that. So um, in that way, I'm very comfortable with who I am, and I'm always asking myself, who am I? I don't think, most, I don't think a lot of us do that. I think most of us are merely a reflection of what everyone else tells us we are. And I think if we took the time to, to delve into and to hone our own uniqueness, that we would be, like you described, a standout in the marketplace instead of a replica of what everyone else is. Mm -hmm. No, it's a good point. I mean, and, and we go through that. I go through that all the time. You know, I have a friend that we actually talked yesterday on the phone. We're just like, we're like, who are we? You know what I mean? Like, we're like, we're like having that conversation because it's difficult, you know, and it's difficult when you put it out into a public forum as well. And, you know, YouTube is something that you've really dominated with in a lot of different ways. I mean, 5 million plus views on there. But, you know, a lot of people I ask when they have successful stuff, you know, how they did it. But for you, I'm curious, you know, people get held back by worrying about those negative comments or people aren't going to like the video or whatever the you know, video replace that with anything, right? When, when something happens like where you get a negative comment, right? A lot of the people just say, you know, just ignore it and move on with your day. How do you kind of deal with any kind of negativity that comes in? Do you, does it freak you out? Are you like, oh my God, I'm, I'm pissed, but now I'm moving on? Or how do you deal with it? Because I know it's not as easy as just saying you just, you know, kind of shrug your shoulders and move on, you know? Well, you're absolutely right. It hurts. I actually had this, this conversation with a friend of mine yesterday. It does, it still hurts me today. But see, I, I'm involved in strength training. So basically everything that I do to move forward in what I do hurts. It's like if I'm gonna if I'm gonna lift 600 pounds, it's gonna fucking hurt, you know. It, it, otherwise, I wouldn't do it. And the reason why I do it is because I want to lift 610 pounds next week. So you're gonna do stuff that hurts so that you can continue to move forward. That's one thing that helps. But something that I've been using to an idea that I've been using to console myself recently has been uh, asking myself and considering what did experts what did I don't even like the word expert. I'm gonna use the term artist. What did artists do? before the instant feedback of the internet. You know, and I think about writers, I think about guys like Ralph Waldo Emerson and, and Thoreau and I, I, people who really wrote about things that were outside the bounds of normal thinking for the time. I could see them sitting there by, their, by themselves with their resources and their desk and just writing, 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 letting everything that's in them flow, just being everything, just letting the muse sing through their fingers and, um, and being free and they may put, you know, there's a plus and minus here, but they may take months to create their piece of artwork and then put it out there and it may take years before most people even get a chance to read it. Sure. By then, the, the artist has probably already evolved and is making something else. But, it's but there's that buffer between their art and the feedback that allows them the freedom to continue to create unfettered, uh, un... Uh, just right, they're not, they're just, yeah, they're not getting hammered right away, exactly. Yeah, so, you know, I try to put my, and with us and with me, it's like we put out little blurbs quickly. Like I'll make a YouTube video or I'll write an email or I'll do something fast, put it out there, and within seconds it's like feedback right away. Right. So what I try to do is I, I call the, the, I try to move into a space where I am trying to be like Ralph Waldo Emerson where I'm like, 
okay, I'm an artist, I'm doing my thing right now, and I've got to create a mental buffer around anything that distracts me from bringing forth my gift. You know, we, I, I see these ideas and these things that we do, like what you're doing as a gift, you know, David, you're, you're giving a gift to the world with these interviews, and it's your unique gift. Anything that's going to distract or, or detract from your ability to give your gift um, is a challenge to you, which causes you to grow, but can also be perceived as, a, as an evil to the world because it won't allow you to give the good that you're, you're intended, you're put sure. here to give. Sure. No, it's, it's, it's an absolute great point. Yeah. And it's, and it's, and it's stuff that it's big questions like this that are often skipped. You know what I mean? Like, because people are like, Oh, how much money do you make? How do you do this thing? How do you do this stuff? And then this is kind of the stuff that, you know, if you don't really think about, because I think people think that once you've hit a certain level or, or wherever it may be that you don't worry about this stuff. But bottom line is it's something that can, it's always a challenge, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Always a challenge. All right. So Elliot, I want to, wrap in the next few minutes here with just a couple kind of, I don't want to call them speed round questions. We'll call them speed round stories because people love to hear these kind of stories and I want to just ask a couple questions. So number one, what was your, in your terms, and, and successful of course is a relative term, right? But yeah. what was your first successful product that you're like most proud of? I could be online or off, but it could be, you know, what was your most successful in, in your eyes? first most successful I meant? Uh, the very first most successful thing I came up with was the football strength training program. Okay, and what was that? It was, it, it turned into, and I've, uh, it's evolved over time, I just recreated it again a few months ago, but it's a series of DVDs and manuals for high school and college football players who want to get bigger and stronger and faster for their sport. Okay, cool. And what, do you remember specifically sort of what we call an aha moment or whatever it might be where you came up with that idea? Um, no, actually it was a challenge. A friend of my, a friend of mine and I read the four hour work week. Oh yeah. Tim <laughs> Ferriss, another former guest. You just keep mentioning former guests. <laughs> yeah. So you know that he's got that chapter on how to start a internet business. Absolutely. So we both sat there and we're like, look, Let's challenge each other 30 days. I, I'm really good at training football players. You're really good at training BMXers. Uh, I'm going to create a product. You create a product, and let's get it out there. And it was really more of just like a game. It was a challenge for the two of us to, to get it out there. So it wasn't so much as an aha because I knew it was going to work because mm -hmm. like I understood the, the, the mechanics of it, but it was just a matter of like pounding the pavement and getting it out. Right, and, and, that, and that seems to, that it created a, a lot of accountability there, right? If you have a buddy... You know, and you're and you're a competitive person and a, a game person. You're gonna you're gonna be like, all right, we got to get this done because a lot of people come up with an idea, but then it just kind of fizzles and goes away. Um, what was your biggest insight from that first product? You know, be it anything, learning lesson, whatever it might be. Biggest learning lesson, and I'm still learning this, <laughs> is to take my time. Um, I like I said before, I'm a doer and then thinker. So one of the biggest mistakes that I've made with my products and some of the things I do is I crank it out. I don't edit anything. It's like it doesn't matter, spelling errors, and I just throw it out there. And that's why I've had to redo it a couple times. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm really impatient. So when I come up with an idea, I have the actual opposite problem with most people that they take too long. If I come up with a product idea, it's going to be done within a week. Mm -hmm. the, pro the problem is that I never 
I don't slow down to make it what it needs to be, and I always end up redoing it. Got it. So how do you deal with that now? Do you do, do, you do anything specific? Do you like create it, walk away for a couple of days, come back, make sure, you know, do some editing, have someone else do it? Like, what do you do to try to fight that, uh, that quick syndrome? Because, yes, people usually fall into one of those categories. Got to get it done and get it up really fast versus never gets done, right? Rather get it done and get it up fast. But what, what do you, uh, you kind of do to combat that at all? Well, I'm, I'm basically on the cusp of, of, of this entire idea. So I'm still in the make it fast, get it out there mode. And I'm, I still have that paradigm. I'm still proceeding from there. So um, I've come to grips with the fact that that's the way I work. And I put things out there, but I'm always sure that if, it, if, it, if there's a hold, if people actually like it, there's some potential to come back and fix it up again. In the past, I would grow resentful for of the product. I actually like hated the product and then I would t turn away from it like it's a piece of shit and then it would, <laughs> but now what I do is I come back because there's market potential and I redo it. I ask for feedback, what could be better and then put it out there again. So I'm not sure that I'm going to take my ever take my time, but I, I come to grips with the fact that doing things there's nothing wrong with doing things over again. Yeah, that no that's a that's a great point. Another great point too is that again when, when people are looking to kind of build in, in their space, whatever it might do, they look at people that are successful and it's like, oh, this was really easy and there was, you know, no issues and, and all that kind of stuff. It's always great to hear little things that go on. Like I, I did it too. Like I remember when I wrote my book in uh, 2010, right? Before it came out, I had never hated more something more in my entire life. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I was sick of looking at it. I was sick of talking about it. I was sick of editing it. I was sick of writing it, right? And it's just, you know, you know obviously I like it now, but I'm saying <laughs> as, a, as a process, I think people get scared at that first point. Do you know what I mean? If they don't hear from other people that are, that are doing the same thing and they think they're weird if they start to hate it. Do you know what I'm saying? They're not. Yeah. <laughs> There's, um, I, I, do you ever hear of Osho? No. Uh, he's he's dead now. An Indian mystic. He writes a lot of really interesting spiritual books, and one of the ones he has it's really interesting. It's called Creativity, and one of the chapters he talks about postpartum depression for artists. And the same way that like a woman, you know, nine baby. months to yeah, create yeah. a baby, and then afterwards, because of that separation from what they've taken so long to make, there's a depression that happens. Sure. And he likens that onto the artist. He says the creative person will often hate their creation because of a postpartum depression. So I started to really understand that. Oh, that's cool. I might have to check that out. So it's called Creativity by the Indian dude. Yeah. Um, sure. <laughs> we'll, we'll find him. We'll find him. Um, all right. So final subject, Elliot. You mentioned the product. I want to ask you about kind of uh, – slightly about marketing, you know what I mean, just, just for a second here, and, and without getting into the whole gamut of it, you know, you built up quite the following um, all over the place. Let's just talk online uh, for now. So, I mean, you know, between, I know Facebook, you're a, you're a big deal on Facebook, uh, YouTube, <laughs> all these different things, you're blogging, different things like that. Can you point to, I don't want to say strategy, because I think that kind of isn't exactly what I'm asking, but like sort of, what do you think has been the key to your success marketing? Is it just creating regular stuff? Is it that you're always interacting? Is there anything that you could point to if someone said to you, Elliot, you know, they just had you for two minutes in an elevator and they said, listen, why are you so successful at building a following? Well, I, it's funny. I thought about this and there are two things and I'm going to give you the broad answer and then specifically how I did it. There's filling your funnel and then speaking to your funnel. Okay. Right? So for me, filling the funnel is creating a YouTube video. Every time I create a YouTube video, there's always a squeeze page offer in the in the bottom. 
Oh, so okay, cool. Every okay. week, so I create a video, and I keep, I don't even really keyword it that much, but hopefully people find it who are not subscribers and then subscribe. Right. So every week I create multiple YouTube videos, and, and the whole point of YouTube videos is to drive people to my squeeze page so that they can become readers. Mm -hmm. Then the step two is always email the readers. So ever since I've been a frequent emailer, because you've got different philosophies, but I email every single day. Oh, right? wow. Okay. I sit down and I write a fresh creative email every single day. Since I've been doing that, my income has tripled. Really? Mm -hmm. So you're saying, again, this circles all the way back to what we talked about at the beginning when you're like, you know what? Everyone says to go this way. I'm going to go the way that I feel that's right or whatever way that I'm going to go. And so you're saying for you that one of the biggest successes personally has been that you have just very actively emailed your list that you built. Yeah. And, Every and, single day. Wow. And so, and you say that you think that's tripled it. Oh, without a doubt. I literally, uh, I hired an assistant, one of the kids that works with me in the gym to start working with me online. And I've had him track my, my growth, uh, financially over the past several months. The it's so funny. Um, the month that I literally doubled the amount of income that I was doing was the month I tried an experiment of emailing every single day. Because before that, I would email only if I had something that's like an offer or you know just really something popped into my head. But I decided as an experiment, I'm going to take 30 days. I'm going to email every day for 30 days. And like the bar graph looked like this. It was like the month before, the month I emailed every day. At that point, I was like, this, well, there's no question. I have to email every single day. Right, because you're getting people that are obviously highly engaged, you know, and, and I think a big takeaway there, um, you know, for people that are thinking about how they can apply this, I like that idea of, of trying to do a 30-day experiment on something because, you know, sometimes we start to do stuff and then we do more stuff and then we just do stuff and we just kind of keep going, right? Like yeah. stay down the path as opposed to trying to shake it up and trying something a little bit different. You know, if you email, you know, every every day, maybe try something else or if you email once a week, try every day or if you're just doing, you know, blogging, try video, something, something like that, that can maybe break a pattern, you know? Yeah. Very sound advice. Well, Elliot, this has been stupendous today. I know people are going to really love this stuff. Um, I know you're a big deal on Facebook. What is your Facebook page? I want to make sure we link that up and that's, that's the best place. Maybe people can go check out and find everything from there. Okay. It's uh, it's just Facebook slash Elliot Hulse, which is right. two L's and two T's E L L I O T T H U L S E. Yeah, don't make that mistake of putting in the one L into Google because I had to do the correct a few different times when I was researching. So, all right, Elliot. Well, this has been awesome, my man. Thank you so much for coming on today, and good luck with future endeavors. And you know, keep that keep that artist flow going, my man. Thank you. I appreciate the, uh, what you do, and thank you for having me on. All right, this is Elliot Hulse on the rise to the top, the number one non-boring business show. I will see you next time. I'm David Seitman Garland, and remember, if you want some fluff, you know what to do: go pet a bunny. And one more quick reminder on those links of three things to make you more awesome and make life more awesome. So go to my PC at go to mypc.com, click the try it free button, enter the promo code RISE for 45 days free. Head to createawesomeinterviews.com and enter your email to get the 11 benefits of doing online interviews video. And if you want to do a membership site, it is the rise to the top.com slash wishlist, the rise slash wishlist.